What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me in the latest Morecast, part of the CSG Network. I'm, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. The Denver Nuggets have won two in a row. Uh, I actually had recorded an entire podcast yesterday, and uh, due to a technical snafu uh, and totally not uh, user error, um, I had to scrap the whole thing. So um, it's kind of actually benefited because I, uh, it's allowed me to have two games to kind of talk about as opposed to that disastrous five-game road trip. Um, the Denver Nuggets uh, beat the San Antonio Spurs, which wasn't, you know, you know, it wasn't particularly remarkable other than Wimby uh, and Michael Porter Jr. saying that Wimby is human and uh, but and all that stuff. I, I, I'm not here to talk about uh, uh, Victor Wembanyama. Um, I am here to talk about your Denver Nuggets. And then uh, last night, as of this recording, the Denver Nuggets uh, beat the the Los Angeles Clippers um, without Nikola Jokic, Aaron Gordon, and Jamal Murray, who all sat. And, of course, Jamal's been hurt. And uh, Aaron Gordon sitting for his second consecutive game. Um, that's something to keep an eye on, folks. Um, and the Nuggets ended up beating them on the back of uh, Reggie Jackson having a career night. Um, DeAndre Jordan having almost a career night. Uh, and Contavious um, Caldwell Pope having hitting some timely shots. And um, Justin Holiday playing really well. And you'll notice that is a very vet-heavy kind of thing. Um, let me just put this out here, folks. I mean, without Reggie Jackson and DeAndre Jordan doing what they did yesterday, the Nuggets do not win that game. If they are relying on the youth so to speak, that everyone is excited about, the Nuggets don't win that game. And I'm by the, you know, end, end of this first segment, I'm going to be talking to you about why certain things happen. And a quote from Michael Malone yesterday that has um, it, it puts in with what everything that I've been saying about the Denver Nuggets this year and their lack of interest in repeating this year. Which to me is a mistake, but this is this is something that the Nuggets have chosen to do. Anyway, the Nuggets beat the uh, Los Angeles Clippers last night in a, a game which, obviously, it, I'm trying to decide if it says more about the Clippers or it says more about the Nuggets. To be honest with you, and I do not know. Maybe it probably it probably says both. Sorry, I just bumped the table and it popped the microphone. Um, I I'm trying to decide here if I should put more weight on one thing as opposed to another i think we um i think we over emphasize certain things sometimes and but but there seems to be a clear pattern here with the clippers and i don't necessarily think this specific year it has anything to do with the quote denver nuggets um i i had to think about it all night and i and i'm trying to I'm trying to come into a reasonable point on this. Um, the the Clippers have had an issue with the Denver Nuggets going back to the bubble, uh, as all, as we all know. This has been something that has been consistent since then. Um, my view, though, with this particular Clippers team this year is that it's going to take them a good 25, 30 games with James Harden in order to figure out what they're doing. And they will have issues adapting their end. There's undeniable talent on the Clippers. 
Um, you know, and Kawhi Leonard is is a great two way player. Uh, he really is, and there's a reason he won MVP of the Finals two years uh, in 2014 and again in 2019. Um, he is very good, and Paul George is a good number two on any team. Um, and Russell Westbrook is okay in the obviously the wild card is getting James Harden early in the season. It, it, it's going to be interesting to watch it evolve, but I sort of kind I think this year is a little different for the Clippers. It is a little different. They are not necessarily the same Clippers team that the Nuggets have beaten uh, all these years. Um, you know, there was a great uh, tweet by uh, the Hamburglar on uh, on uh, Twitter that I uh, or I refuse to call it X uh, on Twitter by, by an account named the Hamburglar, and um, it was the the uh, Clippers. We have four Hall of Fame players, uh, Denver Nuggets. Uh, we have the power of friendship, and um, Rick B on uh, on uh, <laughs> and one of the replies said uh, the Nuggets. Um, or the Care Bears, <laughs> and and I said like, and I was like, yeah, that's that's this is the Nuggets have channeled Care a lot, and and actually it's sort of apt because of the relative youth on this Nuggets team. Look, Zeke Naji is not objectively probably not a rotation player for the Denver Nuggets, and, and it's something that I think Nuggets fans need to probably get into their heads including certain media outlets, they need to get into their heads that Zeke Najee is not a rotational player for the Denver Nuggets. He may be for another team, but it's not for the Denver Nuggets. And there is a reason DeAndre Jordan played that well with Reggie Jackson. Obviously, they had a little bit of co-history together, not a lot, but a little bit. And there's, there's, there was a little bit of that going on, but there were vets. Zeke is... He had seven offensive rebounds and zero, zero defensive rebounds. Now, remember the year that uh, uh, Jeremy Grant was here? It was the 1920 season. Um, this was the pre-great uh, move by uh, Tim Connolly. This was the one that was praised before he actually ended up trading for Aaron Gordon, uh, a player he probably would have preferred having by that point, but he, he got Jeremy Grant. And one of the things that I had the biggest issue with Jeremy Grant for was with was he couldn't rebound. And, you know, the one thing, even though Michael Porter Jr. had a terrible game yesterday, objectively terrible, he hit a big shot, but it was a bad game. He just could not hit a shot. Um, but one thing Mike will always do is rebound. He had 10 rebounds. Um, one thing that Zeke Naji seems, seems to have a terrible knack for is defensive rebounding. And when you are in a second unit that struggles to score, you're going to need all the defensive rebounding you could possibly get so you can get out on breaks and, and get and push the advantage. And Zeke is just not very good at that. So DeAndre Jordan comes in yesterday and he plays 
one of the best games I've, I've seen DeAndre Jordan play. He really did turn back the clock. I don't think it's sustainable. I'm not advocating for DeAndre Jordan to, to be a, a consistent presence in the lineup. He is, he is quite old for a center at this point. So this is, this is going to be something that would be difficult for him to replicate every night. But Zeke is one of the big problems with the second unit um, and has been all year, objectively. Um, and what you saw against the Clippers was DeAndre Jordan showing the way it could be. Zeke had some great moments on, you know, getting some putbacks, uh, taking some lobs, you know, on dives and stuff like that. But if you're not able to defensively rebound, which is some, which is a consistent thing with Zeke, you just can't stay on the court if you're going to be playing center. And that's, that's 100% true. He just couldn't do it. And it is so weird watching him play. It is weird watching him play because you, you see the talent with Zeke and the theory, I think, and this is just me guessing. I think the with Zeke is that he can switch and the Nuggets ended up signing him to this deal in the off season. And I think part of this was like, well, we could play differently in the second unit when inevitably in the playoffs, you're going to be playing Aaron Gordon at center and at, with the second unit. So obviously that is, that is something that is, uh, a difference between, um, the playoffs and during with full 82 games. The problem with Zeke is that he objectively is not, doesn't do the things that you need him to do. And I don't know if that's going to improve. I think there's a lot of wishing and hoping from the Denver Nuggets. I honestly do. I think there is some projecting and I don't necessarily see it. And not necessarily from the coaching staff, but it's definitely the front office. They are projecting. In fact, they've done that with several players. This <laughs> they, they've done that with several players this off season. Um, and their, their thing is like, we need to play our draft picks and all this stuff. We've, I've discussed this several times before. It doesn't need to be gone over. But what you saw against the Clippers and not against the Spurs, I, I'd throw out that game. That was a, the Spurs are terrible. Other, you know, other than the novelty of uh, Victor Wembanyama, there's just nothing really there with the Spurs. So you can't really talk about them in a in sort of like and project anything onto your team. It's just it, it, they're just a team fodder at this point, kind of like Detroit and Washington. Um, so the 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 Nuggets come into this game last night play and drop every basically everyone so they end up playing strother they end up playing they didn't play julia pickett uh they didn't play colin gillespie uh this nuggets team tried to run uh christian brown at point guard and that was a disaster let's not be doing that again michael malone but the interesting thing before the game and there's something i want to hit on right before we go to the break so Michael Malone said this year is about developing young players. Um, yes, people, I do hear from, from the Denver Nuggets, um, and they have been, there's been people who have not been thrilled with things that I've said, people around the organization and stuff like that. And, and, and a lot of that has to do with my stance about punting, essentially punting on a year. And, and the, but the, the, I'm just going by what the Nuggets have said. This year's not about contending or like well, they didn't use the word contending, but repeating, I should say. They would object to the use of the word contending. My point is this. You're saying that you are essentially punting on this year because you want to develop the youth, so to speak. Okay. 
you're assuming in that point that your youth is good enough to be contending in their second year. Essentially, that's what it is. And because they are, quote, old rookies, as I've pointed out over and over again, old rookies are still rookies. What won the Nuggets the Clippers game was not the youth. It was it was objectively DeAndre Jordan, Justin Holiday, Contavious Caldwell Pope, Michael Porter Jr. hitting a big shot and rebounding. It was those guys that won the game. Strother had what nine points, um, and you know uh, it, 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 Christian Brown had a terrible game. Um, but it's it's there's not. It wasn't the, quote, youth that won them this game. And this is objectively something that I want to talk about. Michael Malone said that this year is about, and and the Nuggets signed Michael Malone to an extension, what was it, two weeks ago. They added two years onto that to incentivize him to be okay with what they're doing this year. Okay. All, all coaches go into survival mode, and Michael Malone is chief among those guys, let me tell you. But he obviously was given two years um, on a and a lots of money, by the way, added on to his already, you know, they extended him a year earlier than they, they, they would otherwise not normally do it. And they, they gave him that two, extra two years, not as a reward for the finals, but as a we're not going to fire you. Please develop our young um, players. That's, that's exactly why they did it. They incentivized him to be okay with what they're doing. So the Nuggets have Michael Malone on board with this project that they have of having all these this youth on the on the squad. But here's something I want people to think about: the bench unit looked better when starting in I think the Houston Rockets game where Justin Holiday came in and it's not because Justin Holiday is all that special you know he's a veteran of many years at this point and he's the lesser of the Holiday brothers it's not about him per se but he is also a vet and the Nuggets, which you have seen with the bench unit, aside from the occasional stagger, is that there's no real veterans able to help out the, 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 the bench or play instead. And when Justin Holiday came in there, it wasn't because necessarily that he's all, the, all that good, but it's because he, object, he, he knows what he's doing because he's a vet. And what you saw was just the mere presence of a veteran on the bench who was able to make the, the, the unit look that much better. And this is never not going to be a, a, a tension here, folks. And this really, what I've really kind of boiled this down to is how much losing are, is Michael Malone, even with that extension, going to be okay with? Because a lot of that road trip was um, an issue with the Nuggets trying to develop. And obviously being forced into more of it than they wanted because with Jamal's in, in, injury, but it is hard to develop and contend. It is just you. It, it's the two timelines thing that the uh, that the uh, Golden State Warriors fell into. What you saw against the Clippers was DeAndre Jordan and uh, Reggie Jackson, and um, basically all the veterans. You know, aside from Julian Strother, who had some good moments, but it was mostly the veterans who were like. 
all right, we're going to win this game. <laughs> and these are veterans who don't get a lot of playing times, particularly in the sense of in the uh, in uh, the case of DeAndre Jordan. So this is this is going to be attention all year, folks. And and obviously the Nuggets have put it out there that they don't they aren't concerned about certain things. Since they're not, then this is what we're going to be having to deal with. Uh, four game losing streaks or, or not four game losing streak, but, uh, uh, losing four out of five and then coming back home and winning and then having a, a vet heavy, uh, uh, great appearance with, uh, with the, um, uh, against the Clippers, you know, aided by the fact that the Clippers are kind of a mess right now. Just throwing that out there, folks, not to yuck anyone's yum, but, um, that's why the Nuggets won that game. The Nuggets won that game because DeAndre Jordan, Kentavious Caldwell Pope, very specifically Reggie Jackson, little bit, very little bit of Michael Porter Jr. There's just there's a little bit of that going on, and the Nuggets kind of relied on their vets, low key, and Julian Strother to push them over the, the edge and Peyton Watson. Now, now the, the Peyton Watson is, is an interesting case. And before I get to the second part of the podcast, I'm going to talk to you about this. Peyton Watson, um, is the pro- most projecty of all the projects on the nuggets. Um, he is the gamble that Calvin Booth took. He is the one that Calvin Booth will tell you privately. He's the most excited about if Peyton Watson concentrates on defense and doesn't worry about offense, he is going to fit exactly what the Nuggets need. However, for his development, it's better if he does some offense. This is never not going to be attention here. Peyton Watson looks best when he's not trying to score, but when he's just defending. Think about that. And think about what he needs to do to develop as a player and how rough that is to do. So anyway, congratulations to the Denver Nuggets two in a row after after that horrible, horrible road trip. Hopefully the Nuggets have righted the ship and we'll continue it against the Houston Rockets in the next game. All right, before I get to the second half of the podcast, I want to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazi in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They're always online at bfwcolorado.com. they got a location in Fort Collins. they got a location, a private location in uh, Golden for special events. Uh, and they also have their, obviously, their location in the dairy block and their original in uh, Sonoma County, California. Uh, but really, truly, this is a local Colorado wine. they got partnerships with Colorado uh, um, vineyards, particularly in the Western Slope and in the Elk Mountains. But uh, they also have some things that they have specifically partnered with um, uh, Western Slope wineries for their own kind of branded wine out here. It's a very interesting uh, process there. Uh, but they also got whites, they got uh, rosés, they've got ba- and they got wine cocktails if you're really not into uh, the whole uh, uh, just wine, red or white thing. So uh, if you want to try what Western Colorado has to offer, try their, um, the Rieslings, those, it's the grape of Colorado, the varietal. Uh, I think that you will enjoy that if you're into kind of the sweet, um, uh, varietal of Colorado. 
Once again, they're located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazi in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coursefield, right in the middle of the dairy block. They're always online at bfwcolorado.com. They're on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. When you go in or you talk to them, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you. It was uh, earlier this year that I just... I. I probably announced my intention that I did not intention, but I, I announced my reservations with the in-season tournament thing. Jason Tatum had mentioned something a couple days ago about the point differential thing being a difference maker, how it just basically has created a, a, a college bowl uh, eligibility, championship eligibility, strength of the schedule, did you blow out a common opponent kind of thing. <laughs> which I, I think there's some irony in that considering how much that's mocked. But the, the NBA is, is caught between crass commercial slash capitalism and trying to make a completely wholly made up scenario mean something. I personally just do I just don't give a shit. I, I, I didn't, I don't, before didn't before i'm not trying to yuck anyone's yum it's just not something that's for me this is not i'm not the demographic for this it they're trying to make these games meaningful but they're already meaningful because they are one of 82 games okay it's hard to make a win count for more than a win um it's particularly when the ultimate goal is to get into the playoffs and the best position to get to yourself to uh uh finals and I struggle with the lack of stakes in these. I just don't see where it matters, particularly since the midseason tournament and like is played so early. Um, it's it's played in December, and the season starts in October. It's, it's the they're trying to make these early season games mean more. Um, people like it. I and some people like it. I, th I think there's mixed reviews of the end season tournament the courts are obnoxious i think they should just get rid of the court thing in fact the D dallas mavericks um for their last in season tournament game uh have chucked their uh court which is i mean it's there's obviously some defective there's some defects in it but i just it, it's they're obnoxious they they like burn the retinas some of them are so bright they don't work well on tv and they will actually work better in person. To be honest with you, I know people who have gone to these games, and they really, really say that they look different in person. They're not as obnoxiously bright, and I think it's some of that has to do with the TV in relation to the lights that are on the court and all that stuff. And you can't really change the lighting in the NBA arena; it would throw off the whole thing. Blah blah blah. But. Coming back to the viability of it, it just it doesn't move me. I don't having these courts and uh, a potential extra money for these teams. Think about it this way: there's going to be a group of teams that go into this quote tournament in Vegas who are going to be playing an extra game that doesn't count to the schedule, but has nothing to do with anything that has to do with getting to the finals. So you are trying to incentivize people to do something that in the end is meaningless towards the ultimate goal. And that is something that I just, I, I can't get with. That's my, my head does not get around that. And specifically as an American, we don't do these mid season tournament things. 
doesn't make sense to me. Um, and I think the I, I don't I think the Nuggets would tell you that oh yeah they really wanted to win this thing. I can say that the Nuggets aren't exactly broken up by the fact that they're not going to Vegas for this in season tournament thing. I I think you can tell that they're not exactly broken up about this. Um, particularly since they are resting injured players and um all this stuff. It's it's it doesn't move them because there's no real stakes besides money. The NBA needed and I don't know how you create I don't know how you create some stakes for a midseason tournament. I just don't know how you do it. And and obviously the NBA is trying to sell something. They want to have another they want to be successful so they have another thing to sell to media rights and up their media rights deal. This is all part and parcel to that. This was why it was done in the CBA coming into the year so they could go to these media companies and sell them this product. Because the NBA is not going to be exclusively with ESPN and TNT anymore. They are going to be with multiple media outlets. They are going to make it more of an NFL thing, which is something they should have done 20 years ago. Um they would be in much better position and not beholden to the unfortunate whims of a flagging ESPN right now. So what is happening is a, the, the NBA is desperately trying to sell something and trying to make players care about a stakeless thing. It's something that in the end just doesn't matter. You just get extra money. I mean, I know some players at the other, I mean, $500,000 is nothing to sneeze at. I would like that. I've never seen that in my lifetime, you know? that's. But I, it, as a fan, like, it doesn't matter. I, do, I am not broken up at all that the Nuggets aren't going to Vegas. I'm just, it doesn't matter to me. And I wish it mattered. But it, there's, there's people who like it. But I, I just don't have any investment in these teams that are doing this. Because in the end, none of it matters. None of it, like, they're they're not they're they're like fake games, and these teams are playing more games now. So these te- <laughs> the the teams that end up going to these things are going to be playing what was it? Only having eighty two games count, but they're playing like eighty three and eighty four games, and you know, and ending up it's just like I I just don't get it. I don't get it. I don't know necessarily if I am the demographic for this sort of thing. I don't I definitely know that I'm not. Um, and I just wish the NBA did this a little better. Um, this first year has been weird. The courts are obnoxious. The, the jerseys are we, just kind of... I mean, we talked about the Nuggets one, the 5281. It's like, ugh. It's just, it is, it is not something that I think moves the needle. There are some interesting, it doesn't move the needle for me. And people are going to be shaking their fists at this podcast right now as you're listening to this. Oh, Jeff, you're just old. You know, I mean, I get it. I completely get it. But I would rather the Nuggets be contending for finals than playing meaningless games in Vegas for extra money. That's my stance. I, I don't I don't know what to tell you, folks. I this is this is my preference. I would rather this happen, and I, I would rather the Nuggets be doing 
you know, obviously I have some gripes with the way the Nuggets are approaching this season. I don't think punting on a year is good in any scenario, uh, particularly when Jokic is already in his eighth year. Eighth or, what is this, eighth or ninth year? Um, so, uh, it's ninth year. I don't, I don't, I don't see this as a, a, a thing that's going to make things suddenly more interesting. We saw what the Nuggets did last year and they won 53 games, but they managed to get the first seed in the uh, Western conference. And then they went 16 and four through the playoffs in order to get to their first NBA finals. Okay. This thing that they accomplished was pretty amazing. And I'm trying to imagine a scenario where they play additional games, two additional games that don't count in the standings and how that makes a difference to what they're doing to get them to their ultimate goal. That is the disconnect. That is where I I fail to see where the NBA is going with this. Obviously, they want to sell it, which is the ultimate goal as far as the NBA's point of view. But how does that help these individual teams who want to win championships? Well, maybe it would help the Nuggets this year because uh, obviously coming into this year, they're not concerned about repeating. But you see all these teams, and Jason Tatum's thing is right, incentivizing teams by doing point differential. I mean, come on, folks. What are we doing here? Um, yes, I'm the fuddy-duddy who said this, but you're not going to be able to berate me out of this stance. I just, it, I don't see the point. And maybe if we had some stakes in the future, maybe I'll be able to see the light. So, anyway, thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast. I'm going to be back soon with another episode. Goodbye. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.